This week on the Cracking Cybersecurity Podcast, we bring you some of the latest threat intelligence from Cyber Reason's Asaf Dahan. I'm Anna Delaney, editor at TICE, and this week, Cyber Reason's head of threat intelligence, Asaf Dahan, shares some of the more notable attacks we've seen over the past year. Which techniques were used? What were the attackers after? And what you need to know about how to protect yourself from such attacks. Here is Asaf summarizing his findings. So the first insight talk, uh, talks about how attackers are constantly improving uh, the infection process, the malware infection process. It's this eternal cat and mouse game between uh, attackers and defenders. So as we get better at anticipating uh, inf infection models and schemes, um, so attackers have to step up their game. And one of the things that, I've, that, that came out of the research was that attackers use what I call the chain delivery model in order to uh, bypass most security products, specifically AVs and next-gen AVs. So how they do it? Basically, they use a multi-stage infection chain. Uh, basically, the, the more steps you add, or the more likely it, it will uh, evade detection. But what they do uh, on top of it is it's not just multi-stage, they reshuffle it so um, the order becomes quite, quite important. If you want to reconstruct the attack and trace it back to the uh, source, it becomes very difficult to do it once they, they, they play with the order. Um, then again, the payloads are obfuscated and fragmented and the attackers are hiding in plain sight, which means that from, in many cases, we see that the payloads are actually stored on legitimate web services like Dropbox, Google, Facebook, uh, Pastebin, GitHub, all those legitimate uh, web services um, to make it look more innocent. A second trend that we've been seeing is uh, what I call the targeted attack, and we, we see how certain threat actors are shifting from uh, the maximum hits paradigm, meaning that they try to infect as many machines uh, as possible, and they're shifting into maximum accuracy. They get to be very picky about their targets, really trying to um, target specific demographic uh, demographics, uh, whether um, uh, it's country, it's usually country or language based. And there are two reasons behind it. First of all, they want to, um, you know, they don't want to waste their time and they want to maximize their potential revenue. So if, uh, um, and, and the second reason is that they want to avoid or minimize overexposure. So the more pervasive a malware is, the more likely it's, it's going to get picked up by security products. So they don't want to waste their, uh, their ammo, right? Um, so for instance, just to make the point clear, if I were to develop uh, a malware that is very good at um, targeting British uh, financial institutions like banks, why would I bother infect people in Bolivia or China or France for that matter? Uh, I'd be wasting my time. So we've been seeing that, that type of uh, targeted uh, attacks that target specific countries um, We've seen it in Japan, we've seen it in Italy, we've seen it in Germany, in Spain, in Portugal, uh, Brazil, um, pretty much all over, all over, all across the world. Uh, with, of course, with North America or, or with English-speaking countries, it, it becomes um, less obvious uh, or to detect because English is such a common language, but where um, 
but where but in non non English speaking countries you can see it uh, very clear clearly that this is the trend. Uh, another anecdote here is that um, since many of the the attacker come from the um, former Soviet Union countries, sometimes we see uh, exclusion, specific exclusion for countries. And uh, if uh, let's say if Russian keyboard is detected, the malware will not infect the machine, for instance. So we see like the opposite side of it, uh, trying to protect, uh, you know, their 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 close environment. Uh, some can argue that it also has to do with uh, maybe financial means. Usually, let's say in the West or in uh, some affluent countries in Asia, they're more likely to get paid uh, if it's a ransomware or more likely to steal more information rather than, let's say, more impoverished countries uh, like some of, some of the uh, former uh, so Soviet Union countries. So, And what else are you seeing? Another thing that we've uh, been noticing um, and it happens more and more is those cybercrime collaborations. We see some alliances between threat actors, different threat actors and different malware families that are now working in tandem. Uh, specifically, I, I gave uh, a few examples in my talk yesterday about uh, financial malware banking trojans that used to compete up until a few years ago in the past year or two, we see them working together, even though they have uh, similar uh, abilities. So uh, one, usually one uh, would be used as a, some sort of a sophisticated downloader that makes sure that the coast is clear, that it is not running in the context of a hostile environment. One, it verifies that uh, it will fetch the, the second malware to uh, carry out the information stealing or whatever malicious um, actions that it's designed to do. Um, and we've been seeing it more and more, those collaborations working, so different groups working uh, side by side or along other groups. Um, so each one brings something to the table. Each one, uh, each group has its specialty. So for instance, if one group develops a malware that is very good at evading uh, antivirus co uh, companies or is very good at um, phishing or, or, or scamming, so they'll be hired for the first stage of the attack. Then they'll collaborate with another group that is um, that maybe develop a malware that is very good at information stealing or 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 ransomware, and so on and so on. So we see that it's kind of like the cyber industry where um, you know there's room for everyone. Like there's enough money to go around. So we see like the the. The same thing in the, when it comes to cybercrime, to e-crime. There is enough room and there's enough money there uh, to share. Uh, and by collaborating, they're more successful. You know, work as one kind of, win as one uh, kind of philosophy. So criminals across the globe. Yeah. This is internationally yeah. working together. Yeah, and of course, um, let's say, um, let's say you, have, you set up a really good operation, cybercrime operation, let's say in Germany. And once you see it's, you know, you're successful at it, uh, it's human nature to get greedy. And now I wanted to expand to, let's say, Italy or Japan or wherever. So kind of like uh, when you try to um, export a business or, or um, expand your business uh, overseas or abroad. So you need people on the ground. People will help you with the language and uh, cultural gaps. So they will team up with uh, different um, uh, cybercrime 
um, groups from around the world that will help facilitate that expansion. So for instance, uh, if we know that most, um, most um, malware that are hitting enterprise today, uh, well, they arrive or they originate in, your, in email, in phishing email. So in order to produce a good phishing email, you need to um, maybe know the language quite well so you don't have weird language or typos and all that. And you, maybe you need to know the culture a little bit, uh, what works there. Um, so if we see those type of collaborations because, for instance, in, in my research, we see that an attack that started in Japan just a few weeks later, we saw the same pattern happening in Italy with the exact same malware and with some minor differences. Um, so we can see how those um, trends quickly um, shift from, from one region to another once they uh, pick up a good infection chain. It's, it's amazing how it's evolving. Do you think we can, we can keep up? The attackers are getting better. Are the defenders getting better? Well. So it's that endless cat and mouse game, but at the end of the day, I think that you, know, it's, you can treat it as a whack-a-mole, trying to, um, to, to chase and be, be in this responsive or uh, reactive state of mind. And we at Cyber Reason, and it has been my personal view as well, even before joining Cyber Reason, is that you have to be proactive about things. You don't wait, you know, you have to kind of desert or abandon that humanality that you know you, there's an, one alert after the other and you're just being reactive you need to build a good um, hunting practice um, that is proactive and how do you do it first of all you need to know what's out there so my team and i we're always on blogs and we're reading uh, uh, security uh, reports going to conferences we're always um, stay on top of things and let's say there's a new malware out there we will bring it to home you know, to our lab and try to dissect it and understand its behavior um, and try to create behavioral based um, uh, detection rules so once you focus on the techniques rather than trying to chase IOCs or signatures um, you, you, you actually get the benefit of both worlds because you will find the, the known things but also the unknown, because the, and that's, the unknown is a major chunk, but we don't know that it's there, right? Because it's unknown. Um, and this is where uh, m many times IOCs or signatures fail um, um, what we call the traditional um, security approaches t tend to fail. And if you focus on the techniques, so for instance, when it comes to um, infection patterns, I was able to um, um, identify top 20 uh, techniques that are being used by and are shared by threat actors from all over the world. So if you know how to detect those top 20 techniques, you're covered from, let's say, more than 85% of all attacks, both the known and unknown. So this is really the way to go about it. Understand the behavior. IOCs and signatures can be bypassed. It can change. Uh, like one day domain is malicious, the other day it's not malicious anymore. Signatures can be very um, easily bypassed. Uh, back in my hacking days, it took me around 10 minutes to bypass most antiviruses, and I'm not the world's greatest hacker. There are probably better people 
out there, and so it's really not that hard. It's not that difficult. Uh, however, behavior patterns are very difficult uh, once you know to identify them and you have the right visibility into uh, you know your endpoints. It's very hard to stay hidden. I mean, I know we're pressed for time, but I really want to ask you this. So you, uh, am I right in thinking you were brought up in Israel? Yes. So you've trained there. I was trained in the Israeli military, the notorious A200 unit. Yep. And now you live in Tokyo. I live in Tokyo. That's true. And in the UK, we have a cyber skill shortage. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I've heard of Israel having a cyber skill shortage. So, you know, from all these different cultures, what advice can you give to tackle this cyber skill shortage? I think uh, having lived in, well, I lived in uh, quite a few countries um, in my past, but I think uh, growing up in Israel um, and serving, you know, in the military there and, and being part of that uh, cybersecurity community, uh, over the years taught me, I think, uh, uh, to begin with, a lot of innovation, thinking outside the box. As an Israeli, you know, we Israelis, we, we don't like rules too much. We don't like to adhere to patterns. We always try to, we, because I'm saying it half laughingly, but we think that we're smarter than everyone. So we always try to find, you know, sneak our way and uh, find a better way. And it drives a lot of innovation and it, it keeps us, you know, sharp and, uh, and you know. I, on the other hand, living in Japan taught me how to, um, first of all, have patience. <laughs> this is a, a really good quality. And the second thing, things there are very much, they're very much process oriented. So in order to um, grow a business, you can't just be uh, this, um, you know, a prodigy, you know, the, the mad scientist kind of approach. You have to have uh, processes, you have to have methodology. Uh, everything in Japan is, works like a very well-oiled machine. Um, so I think experiencing uh, with the war culture in both countries uh, ultimately um, gave me a very wholesome view of how, um, how to perfect um, Cyber, cyber defense or like cyber defense practices. Thanks to Asaf. Hope you found that useful. That's all we have time for this week. Do tweet us any ideas, suggestions or questions to at Tice, that's T-E-I-S-S on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. You can also subscribe and rate our shows. For now, it's bye from us. Join us next time for more Cyber Conversations. <laughs>